I've entitled the message today, Be Vigilant in a Dark World. Now, I was planning on preaching about the importance of the ascension as part of the work of Christ, because today, well, Thursday was 40 days after the resurrection when Christ ascended unto heaven. But in light of the events in our society recently, I thought I would change that, and we'll talk about the ascension two weeks from now, Lord willing. And I've entitled the message this morning, Be Vigilant in a Dark World. We are confronted this morning with the horrific attack in Valdi, Texas, but that is not the only one that we have been confronted with in recent days. There's, uh, in Charleston, in our own state, there was a shooting, someone who intended to um, go somewhere and shoot, but that one thankfully was stopped. There was the Geneva Presbyterian Church, one of the missions groups that met in that church. Uh, there was a shooting there in that church, as a matter of fact. Now, you know, the chances of this, uh, with all the churches that are around, the chances of someone that we know being a part of that church is uh, just really small. But Susan, where is Susan? She was just up here. Susan went, Susan and Court went to that church for five or six years. And there is a shooting there at the Geneva Presbyterian Church. There was a, last night, apparently, a shooting in a restaurant in Chattanooga, Tennessee. Uh, Recently, there was that horrific uh, shooting in Buffalo, the supermarket, where a number of people were shot there. And then, um, uh, to my shock, in grade schools this year, there have been shootings resulting in the death of 250 children. That's in grade schools this year, um, including, I guess, the Uvalde, Texas shooting earlier this week. And so, we are faced with these attacks that are becoming increasingly more uh, prominent or prevalent in our society in this day. And because of these attacks, we are forced to face some important truths, especially as Christians. First of all, death is no joke, and we all stand at the door. We don't know what is going to happen tomorrow or the next day, and uh, If we live to be 89 years old, where's Charlie? Is Charlie in here? Charlie, his birthday is tomorrow. He's going to be 89 years old. If we live to be 89 years old, then praise the Lord. That is by the grace of God. But as we know, because of sin and death and sickness and shootings and accidents, there is no guarantee for tomorrow. And so we are confronted with death. It is the great enemy in Scripture. It is no joke, and we all stand at its door. And save the Lord's return, we are all facing it. We are also confronted with the fact that there is serious wickedness in this world, and evil exists all around us. That's part of the title here, that we live in a dark world, and this dark world is dark because of sin. And in that darkness, there is wickedness and evil all around us. We are also confronted with the truth of life and death. We have death on the one hand that we're all confronted with, but yet there is hope in Jesus Christ who offers us eternal life. And so we are faced with the prospect of eternity before a God who is going to judge the living and the dead. And there is this eternal life that He offers us not because we deserve it, but because He is a loving and gracious and merciful God. He makes that life available to us through Jesus Christ. And 
coming face to face with the need to accept Jesus Christ and receive the forgiveness of sins and to enter into a personal relationship with Him and into eternal life, that need becomes more important now than ever before. He is our only hope to escape from sin and death and from the judgment to come. And as we approach the time of the end, these things that we are experiencing, we can only expect them to increase. In other words, this world is not getting better and better. And the disasters that we face in this world are not going to relent. As we come closer and closer to the return of Jesus Christ, and He will return, we can expect to experience more natural disasters. We can expect to experience more pestilences. We can expect to experience more wicked acts that people will commit. In Matthew chapter 24, verse 12, a verse that we'll come to a little bit later, it says the love of many, the love of people will grow colder and lawlessness will abound. And so we can expect these kinds of evil atrocities to increase the closer we get to the return of Jesus. And so as we consider all of these things, there are probably two uh, approaches or perspectives that we should have as Christians. On the one hand, there ought to rise up within us a certain righteous indignation against the sin and the wickedness that brings about these heinous crimes and activities. And on the other hand, positively speaking, we need to stand up and stand for the truth of our faith in this fallen world. We need to stand up for what is right, for justice, for truth. We need to make our voices known, and we need to resist any form of injustice and sin that we are confronted with. It is our Christian and civic duty to do these things. And so this message this morning, I have two parts to it. And the first one is this. This is a dark world. Godlessness is on the rampage. And you know, if you read in the book of Revelation, you can read about the devil, and uh, there's this verse that says, he realizes his time is short, and he goes out in order to destroy the things of God. That's Revelation chapter 12, just kind of generalizing and broadening it. But godlessness is on the rampage. And the closer, like I said, the closer we get to the return of Christ, the more these kinds of things will happen because the devil knows his time is coming to an end and he is getting frantic about it. And so we see as we consider this dark world, we see and look at the devil who is a murderer. Now, uh, this is, this, is, this is the dark world that we live in. It is dark because of sin. And in the darkness lurks all kinds of evil and wickedness. And so we consider the devil who goes about in this dark world and he does his uh, dastardly deeds. And so we read in John chapter 8, verse 44, speaking, Jesus is speaking to these uh, religious leaders who should have known who he was, who should have recognized him as the Messiah, who saw Jesus and heard his uh, words and saw his miracles, they should have believed. But Jesus says this of them in John chapter 8, verse 44. You are of your father, the devil, and the desires of your father you want to do. 
He was a murderer from the beginning. Now, I believe that this is a reference back to Cain and Abel, all the way back to the beginning, when Cain rose up and killed his brother Abel out of jealousy and, and whatever else he was experiencing then. Here, John um, puts that murder to the devil's hands and sees him as being behind the act. And really, in a sense, that's uh, what happens all the time. It is the devil who is pushing these people to commit acts like this. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. When he speaks a lie, he speaks from his own resources, for he is a liar and the father of it. Now, just as a side note, be aware that while you and I may not go forth and murder someone, that it puts lying in the same context. And if God is a God of truth, and the devil does not stand for the truth, then there should be no untruth or lie that comes forth from the mouth of a Christian. And so let me challenge you and encourage you, do not lie. Do not deceive as Christians. Do not allow falseness to come forth from your mouth. It is of the devil. So the devil is a murderer. The purposes of the devil are second point under this first part here is this, that the devil brings death. And here, being on the side of God, we know that this is the enemy of all that is with God, who stands for God. And so we can expect that the devil would be on the rampage to come against you and me as Christians. First Peter chapter 5, verse 8 says, Your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. And when the, the devil goes forth, he seeks to bring death and destruction. He is nobody's friend, and he will do all that he can to ruin the lives of people. Our third point here is that sinners are of the devil. And here is where it becomes really difficult, and it becomes close to home. Because we want to say in Christianity, and there is some truth to this, so I'm not denying it completely, that we want to say in Christianity, we love the sinner and hate the sin. Have you heard that before? That is kind of a very popular mantra within Christian circles. And again, I don't want to bash that or take away from that, but there is a little bit more going on than that. And here, in this next passage, in 1 John chapter 3, verse 7-9, seven, seven through nine, and by the way, 1 John just is a really hard-hitting little epistle there. But this is what it says. Little children, let no one deceive you. He who practices righteousness is righteous, just as he, God, is righteous. He who sins is of the devil. For the devil has sinned from the beginning. For this purpose, the Son of God was manifested, that he might destroy the works of the devil. Whoever has been born of God does not sin. For his seed remains in him, and he cannot sin because he has been born of God. Now, there are a number of things that we need to take note in this passage when it comes to us as believers and our relationship to God. 
I mean, we can talk about the world out there and the world, they belong to the devil because they do not know Jesus and they're following after their sinfulness and they are prompted and tempted by the devil and he's pushing them and leading them and directing them and they need Jesus, they need the forgiveness of sins. But there is also an ongoing battle that we experience as believers too. And this exhortation John gives to the believers there and he starts out by saying little children referring to you know, the people of the church. Don't let anyone deceive you. And his heart in this passage is to raise up the awareness or the seriousness of sin. We are all confronted by it, and none of us are perfect. And and really, I think that's the point. We are confronted of it, and we should not just yield or give in to it. There is a certain sense in which we must rise up and say, no, I'm not going to do that. It is against God. And so, don't let anyone deceive you. If you practice righteousness, you are righteous. But whoever sins is of the devil. And so don't yield, don't give in to that sinfulness. And this is why Jesus came into the world. And by the way, the only hope for us to escape this this, uh, predicament the only way for us to, to escape the clutches of sin is through Jesus Christ. He was manifested. He came in order to destroy the works of the devil. So the devil can do all that he wants and he can go on the rampage all that he wants. But there is deliverance for all of us who accept Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. We are no longer there as targets for the devil just to... Uh, Uh, Do whatever he wants with no repercussions or anything. God is with us, and he has given us the victory. He has come to destroy the works of the devil. And so, being born of God, this is that next part in verse 9, being born of God makes a difference. And it is by the presence of Christ that we can escape the temptations of sin in our lives. And we must go in that direction. The, The... People in this world that lie in darkness, they will continue to do their evil things. But we as Christians can overcome that through Jesus Christ and stand as a light in this dark world. Continuing on in that last thought there, we consider that this dark world is full of hard people. I referred to this passage in Matthew earlier, Matthew chapter 24 verse 12 says, because of lawlessness, and because lawlessness will abound, the love of many will grow cold. There's a certain hardness of heart. There's a certain coldness. I can't imagine an 18-year-old being to the point in his life where he shoots his grandmother, he goes to a school and shoots fourth graders and two teachers. That is despicable. That is along the same lines of Herod sending his troops into Bethlehem and, try- and killing all the babies two years old and under. It is despicable. It is hateful. It is wicked. And it reflects a cold and hard heart. There are hard people in these days. Now, we look at this and we consider it as being a... Uh, it, it is an exceptional kind of thing. Uh, in other words, you and I, we may not face the, the terror of a, of a shooter. Um, Lord, protect us and keep us safe here in our church that nobody would ever come in here and, and try to do something like that 
in our midst. But yet, on the, at, uh, on, the, on the same level there, we are confronted with people every day. They might not go to those extremes, but we are confronted every day by sinners who have hard hearts. And some of those people are in our families, right? Don't say amen too loudly. <laughs> I hope you're not talking about Craig. <laughs> But the point is this, sin abounds in the hearts and lives of people, and those people are all around us, and we ourselves, even though we're Christians, we struggle with these things. But we must not allow the hardness of heart because of sin to come in and, and uh, uh, overwhelm us and overtake us. We must stand with Christ and walk with Him, always being filled with the Spirit of God and walking in the direction that He guides us to walk. Sin is deceitful and it can be so easy to fall into it. But as we come to the end of times, there will be more and more lawlessness just uh, abounding in this world. I forgot to mention Ukraine and the, the travesties that are going on over there. But even that is not the only war. And we've talked about this, you know, time before. There are people who are fighting and killing each other all across this world. In, for, in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 1 through 4, it says, But know this, that in the last days... Perilous times will come, for men will be lovers of themselves, blasphemers, unholy, without self-control, brutal, despisers of good. From such people, turn away. So there's a world that is filled with hard people. And that brings us to the second point this morning. Actually, I just just want to go back for, for a moment. And I just want to reiterate... Um, that because the devil is on the rampage, that we don't have to cower in fear from him as Christians. And I want to use this example from Luke chapter 8, and this is where Jesus delivers the man who is filled with the demons. Um, he asks the demons their name. He said that they respond, Legion, for we are many. And this is the account that he gives here. It says, When he, Jesus, stepped out on the land, there met him a certain man from the city who had demons for a long time, and he wore no clothes, nor did he live in a house, but in the tombs. When he saw Jesus, he cried out, fell down before him, and with a loud voice said, What have I to do with you, Jesus, son of the most high God? I beg you, do not torment me. For he had commanded the unclean spirit to come out of the man, for it had often seized him, and he was kept under guard bound with chains and shackles, and he broke the bonds and was driven by the demon into the wilderness. So here's a man. He is uh, the example of an extreme case of demon possession. And these demons have attacked him, and they have inhabited him, and they have caused him to be a danger to the people that were around him and a danger to himself. They had tried to chain him, but he broke out of those, and he went to the tombs. And he lived there with no clothes and just just wild is the impression that you get. But Jesus steps out of the boat. And this, this whole account is when this demon-possessed man sees Jesus step out of the boat. He runs to Jesus and falls down at his feet. He cannot help but do anything else. And with a word, Jesus commands the demons to come out of him with great power and with great deliverance. This man was delivered from that day forward and he wanted to follow Jesus and to become one of his disciples. And Jesus turned to the man and said no. 
He said, I want you to go back home and tell everybody what has been done to you this day. And he did. He returned back to the Decapolis, which was a, a group of ten cities on one side of the Sea of Galilee there, and he told to them what Jesus had done. And the next time Jesus came back to the area, the people received him because of the testimony of this man. But the point is this, that no matter what the devil tries to throw at us, Jesus is greater than him. We need not fear. We need not be afraid. If we believe in Jesus Christ this morning, we are on the side of God. And it is not God and the devil in this kind of this equal battle as it is often portrayed. It is not like that. It is God and the devil. And all, the God, all God has to do is this far and no further and that's it. And that's how it's going to be. Whatever God says, whatever God does, that is what happens. And so we need not be afraid. The devil can throw his worst at us, but we not, need not be afraid of what he attempts to do. And that brings us to our second point here. This is the second part of our, seri- of our uh, message, the sermon this morning. Be vigilant in a dark world. Be vigilant. And there are several points here. First of all, resist the devil. Resist the devil. So this goes back to 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 8 and 9. And it says, Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary the devil walks about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. Resist him, steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same sufferings are experienced by your brotherhood in the world. This verse does not encourage us to turn and run when the devil comes our way. It tells us to resist him. It says, be sober, which is to be sober-minded, clear-headed. Be vigilant. That means to be awake and alert. Be on the lookout, basically, for the devil and for what he is doing in the world. Be aware of it and be on the lookout for him. It says in Matthew twenty-four forty-three. But know this, if the master of the house had known what hour the thief would come, he would have watched and not allowed his house to be broken into. And this is what we as Christians ought to be doing. We ought to be alert and looking for the thief who comes to steal and kill and destroy. And as we see him and as we see what he is doing, we need to stand up and resist him. So when the devil comes with with his trouble and his temptations and the evil that he wants to throw, with, uh, throw against us, let us square off against him and not back down. I think the best illustration of this is uh, if you're a sports fan, any sports fans in here? I don't know, basketball. You have the basketball and the hockey uh, championships that are going on now, the playoff games. And then you might be a football fan. It doesn't matter. You have two teams... And uh, can you imagine if uh, the quarterback said hike and the defense just kind of turned and ran off the field because they were so afraid of the, the, the other team and they just kind of took off and just let you walk down the field and, and uh, score the touchdown? Uh, what a joke that would be. And we would call for the coach's resignation of our favorite team who relented like that. No, that doesn't happen. You have the, the, the two teams and they go head to head. They resist each other. They stand against each other. And that is what we as Christians ought to do. Not to back down, but to square off and resist the attack. So don't let the, de- the devil defeat you with the trouble that he throws your way. Don't give up and give in to the temptations that he throws at you. Resist. 
Trust in Christ. Allow him to work. Resist the devil. And he will flee from you. How can we resist the devil? Well, there are several things I'd like to suggest this morning. How do we resist the devil? First of all, we resist the devil by doing what is right. We resist the devil by doing what is right. There's one passage of Scripture that actually connects obeying a command of God with the devil's activities. And it's in Malachi chapter 3, verse 11. And in Malachi chapter 3, the Lord is talking about giving the tithe or bringing the tithe to the Lord. And he confronts the people of Israel that they have failed to tithe like they should. But he encourages them by saying, look, if you follow my command and you do what is right, he says, I will rebuke the devourer for your sakes so that he will not destroy the fruit of your ground, nor shall the vine fail to bear fruit for you in the field, says the Lord of hosts. The point is this, when we choose to do what is right, whenever we choose to do and to follow what the Lord tells us to do, the the Lord comes in alongside of us and he pushes the devil off, aside, away from us. If we do what is right, that is one effective way to resist the attacks of the devil in our lives. And so be encouraged, don't sin, don't fall into the sinfulness of darkness. Resist the temptation and do what is right, and the Lord will be with you, pushing off the devil from you. The second way to resist the devil is by the Word of God. And of course, Jesus becomes the classic example of this. Jesus was driven by the Spirit of God into the wilderness where the devil came and tempted him. And there were three temptations that the devil threw at Jesus trying to get him to fall. Because if he could get Jesus to fall, well, then there is no redemption. There is no forgiveness. There is no heaven or eternal life. And so he tries to get Jesus to fall. And Jesus, in each temptation, he comes back with the word of God. And he says to him at the end, Away with you, Satan, for it is written... For it is written, that's the word of God. This is how he resists the temptation. You shall worship the Lord your God and him only you shall serve. And so it is imperative for us as Christians to know the word of God, to learn the word of God, to get into the word of God, to to find its promises, the promises that God has given, to embrace the character and the nature of God and to exhibit those in our lives, to take the word of God and to use it in our resistance against the attacks of Satan. Our third way to resist the devil is by putting on the armor. And we all know that passage in Ephesians, right? Put on the full armor of God that you may be able to withstand against the, the, the attacks, the onslaughts of the, the wicked one. And so we must take on the armor of God. And so what is the armor of God, here it is. If you want to put on the armor of God, you will be able to stand against the devil and resist him. Here it is, the armor of God. Truth, righteousness, the gospel of peace, faith, salvation, the word of God, and prayer. Those are the parts of the armor of God. And that, that's a pretty significant list right there, right? I mean, that just encapsulates all of Christianity. Truth and righteousness and the gospel and faith and salvation and the word of God and prayer. 
Make sure that your lives are filled with these things, for these are of God. And if you have these things, it'll be like an armor around you when the devil tries to throw his best at you. And then the last thing that we could do to resist the devil is to stay away from evil things and people. In Ephesians chapter 5, 11, it says, Have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness. Have no fellowship. That means don't engage yourself with the things of darkness. Don't engage yourself with them. Instead, expose them. Expose them. The word expose means to scrutinize and to examine closely. It means to recognize something for what it is. It means to express disapproval for something that is wrong. It means to punish and bring to justice the things that are wrong. Expose the works of darkness. I I think uh, as we get closer to the return of Christ, it will become more and more important for us to put aside worldly things and to set our hearts upon God. It is becoming more and more difficult for us as for any Christian to walk the fence anymore. And as we go forward in these days, there will be, I think, a, a demarcation, a division, a, a just kind of a, a, an exposing for those who really belong to God and those who don't. And here we are as Christians, if we're going to resist the devil, then we must expose the works that are in the darkness. Be vigilant about it. Another thing that we can do, so resist the devil, that's the first one, and these next ones I'm going to hit pretty quickly here. Carry the burdens of others. So we resist the devil, and we have this, these uh, wicked people that are doing wicked things, and we have to stand up against that sinfulness. But on the other hand, you have the victims, those who have been impacted by the wickedness of other people. And here is where we come together as a body of believers, and we carry the burdens of others. Again, Uh, We can talk about these extreme things like the shootings, but there are things that each one of us are facing in our lives. And part of our duty and our responsibility as Christians is to be vigilant or aware of what is going on in the lives of the people that are around you and to help, to carry the burden, to do what you can. Romans chapter 12, verse 15 says, Rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. So you come along a Christian brother and he's crying, then then find out and join in and pray and, and just weep. Let yourself feel their sorrow. and Put your arm around them and walk with them for a little while. You come across a Christian brother and they're happy about something? Well, rejoice. Be happy. Sing a, sing a hallelujah chorus there with them for a few moments. Walk with them and raise your hands and clap and, and hug and rejoice with them for a moment. That is the engagement that we have as believers. And so we are saddened by these victims in Uvalde. They, they uh, focused in on one of the parents there, of the children. I just can't imagine, first of all, even agreeing to do an interview. It's like if, if I lost a child and they wanted to come and interview me the next day, it's like, forget that. I don't want to talk to you or anybody. You know, get away from me. That, that's me, you know. But this, this father... He wanted to talk, and for some people that helps, you know, to, to express it, and that's good. But I, I, I was saddened because 
the only thing that he could say is, I'm going to try to live my life the way she would live it. I want to live my life to make her happy. And you could tell that he wasn't a Christian, but he's trying to grapple with the loss of his daughter the best way that he can. And, and it's sad that he has to go through this and he has lost his daughter and he has to deal with the pain, but it's sad too that he doesn't have a place to turn. And that's where we come in. Because we have the hope of eternal life. We have the true comfort and the peace that comes only from Jesus Christ. And if we don't share the love of Christ with them, they don't have hope. They don't know how to, to sorrow. They don't, they don't know how to deal with it. We have to carry the burden. We have to get that message out. We have to go there and wrap our arms around them and say, look, there is a God. He is the God of all comfort, and he can give you true comfort and hope. In 1 Corinthians twelve twenty six, if one member suffers, all the members suffer with it. If one member is honored, all the members rejoice with it. And so let us uh, come alongside of each other and help each other and rejoice with each other. Galatians chapter 6 verse 2, bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. Bear one another's burdens. It's uh, uh, like, a, like a man carrying his pack for a mile. You come alongside and you take it and you walk an extra mile with him. Carry the burden for him for a while. It's like the man who carried the cross of Jesus on the way to the crucifixion. Carry the burden. Take it on your shoulder for a little bit of time and bring relief to those who need it. Bear one another's burdens. The next point here, fulfill your civic responsibility. Fulfill your civic responsibility. Let me read this verse quickly. 1 Timothy chapter 2, verses 1-3. through 3. Therefore I exhort you, first of all, that supplications, prayers, intercessions, and giving of thanks be made for all men, for kings and all who are in authority, that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and reverence. For this is good and acceptable in the sight of God. God has not just put us in this society, in this culture, to seclude ourselves or to separate ourselves. He has put us in here to be the light into this dark part of the world in which we live. And part of that is not just always you know, holding up the Bible and preaching from it, but it is living out the life and giving testimony to it that way as well. And sometimes that means being a part of uh, the government process. It means voting. It means being uh, engaged in the, uh, you know, even the city council, even the the low levels here. Do what you can. Maybe the school board needs your uh, presence there so that you can be a witness in the right direction and and carry your weight in the right direction and kind of stave off the, the tide in the wrong direction that's taking place. And so get involved as the Lord leads you. Now that's going to look different for you and for me, each one of us. But, but if nothing else, we have a duty to pray for those who are in leadership in our, in our uh, civic sphere, in the na- national sphere here. Pray for your leaders. Whether you like them or not, it doesn't say any of that here. It doesn't qualify it in any way like that. You do your part. We have a voice Uh, exercise that and pray for whoever is there that we may live a good and quiet life. So, fulfill your civic responsibility. Next, submit to God. Now, here is the foundation of what resisting the devil is all about. 
Resisting the devil springs from our submission to God. James chapter 4, verse 7 says, Therefore, submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Submit yourself to God. I don't know what is going on in your life, but like Colin said earlier, that our true comfort can come only from Jesus. Our true peace can come only from Jesus. Our true exhortation and comfort and mercy and all of those things only can come from Jesus Christ. And what we need is a relationship with Him. And so if you're here this morning, don't let anything keep you from yielding yourself, submitting yourself to God. Won't you give your life over to Jesus this morning? He is our only and true hope. And then finally, endure to the end. We can stand up all, all day long and we can proclaim all day long and we can live righteously all day long, but this world is not going to get better, not until Jesus returns. And so we must endure until the return of the end. In 2 Thessalonians 2, 8-10, through 10, and then... The lawless one, that's the Antichrist. This is the culmination of all of the evil of history. The lawless one will be revealed, whom the Lord will consume with the breath of his mouth and destroy with the brightness of his coming. The coming of the lawless one is according to the working of Satan, with all power, signs, and lying wonders, and with all unrighteous deception among those who perish, because they did not receive the love of the truth, that they might be saved. And so... The world will get worse and worse. Those who perish will propagate that wickedness. But God calls us to yield ourselves to Him. And that is the hope that we can have. In Jude 14 and 15, it says, Behold, the Lord comes with ten thousands of His saints to execute judgment on all, to convict all who are ungodly among all among them of all their ungodly deeds, which they have committed in an ungodly way, and of all the harsh things which ungodly sinners have spoken against him. The Lord comes with ten thousands of his saints to execute judgment against all sin. One day, all of this evil and this wickedness, he will put an end to it. One day he will come and he will just with the breath of his mouth, shut it all down, and we will never have to experience another thing like this again. And so we anticipate and we look forward to the return of Jesus Christ. His return is our great hope. Even so, come, Lord Jesus Christ.